people are watching. That is a warning to not let your kids end up on the magic island. I knew it all along. Advice on how to masturbate less. It tickles the imagination. God is a supercomputer. Is this bullshit? Welcome to the Irrational Discourse Podcast. Oh God, Chapter 1, Part 2. We're going to resume where we left off last week. We hope you enjoy the rest of this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. All right, welcome back. So um, I, th- I think after, you know, before the break, we want, we, we said we wanted to... Is that... Nope. Oh, I thought that was coming. <laughs> Do you need to answer that? No. Okay. Uh, I thought we can we can start again. I thought it was, yeah, <laughs> that was we, only we like can start again. I, I have, yeah. Actually, I think I, I have it here because it, it has my book <laughs> on it, and it also has different Bibles too. I, I thought it was like coming from the mixer. Make no, sure it, I got this. It was definitely my book, but all right. So I, I I wanted to get to you know the first questions we've ever received from from members, and again, I I did tell you for full disclosure. I saw the questions. I did not ponder them. I put them on paper on it so I could print them out, um, and then that was it. And then Chris and I didn't touch them because we didn't. We want. We wanted to kind of look at them all fresh together. Aha! Aha! Yes, aha. we're gonna have an aha moment. Yeah. and we're gonna trap James. No, <laughs> this is there. There are no gotcha. In fact, uh, from what we know in the questions, we might get trapped ourselves. So we we, we don't know. It, it's. Um... Are we ready to see what we got here, folks? You go. You're in charge. You're the you're the question man, Chris. Okay, here we go. So uh, Eva in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, ID team. Hi, uh, Irrational Discourse and Mr. James. Living in, quote, Sin City, I've often wondered how God feels about our city and whether he would be merciful to the good and faithful portion of the population if he decided he had 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 enough or if we would all face the same fate as those of Babylon or Sodom and Gomorrah and which God will I face when I die? The God of the Old Testament or the God of the New Testament? Hoping for the latter. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Eva. Uh, Eva, that's a great question. And, and uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly, one, certainly one that you can ponder on. However, uh, let me say that um, we were just talking about God's qualities, and I was, uh, Chris was. Chris and I were talking before we came on back on the air, and I was sharing a scripture at 1 John 4, 8. And 1 John 4, 8 talks about uh, what God is. We, we have the quality of love, but God is love. That's what 1 John 4, 8 says. And I used to wrestle with the same things you're wrestling with. And so in the judging, and, and how will they judge, and who? Who is a good person? Because I meet great people all the time. Are they to die? Here's the deal. I've learned that God and his son are the ones that are going to do that. And there is nobody more fair and more just than the two of them. And if you, the more you study and the more you read, you're going to learn that those are the two you want to be judging. They, they're looking at the heart. The Bible says they're looking at all sorts of things. We're we're chemically imbalanced. We're we're the backwash of Adam and Eve. They were made perfect. The people before the flood lived a long time. We don't anymore. We're the backwash, and yet God is going to do the judging on that. He's going to look at our hearts and and see that. 
And um, that makes me think of um, the old Anubis myth from Egypt. Are you familiar with that? With the weighing of the heart? No, I'm not. It was um, it was an old belief um, in Egyptian culture. Uh, I believe pre pharaohs. Anyway, um, what uh, what would happen when you died is you would visit Anubis in the like not before the afterlife, but in this kind of like limbo middle crossing the river sticks crossing the river sticks kind of zone the coins on your eyes or pay the boatman and so and and they would remove your heart and he would weigh it against the feather of Horus and it was to determine whether or not you were light enough of heart to be able to pass into the next life those crazy objections huh yeah and 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 it was the kind of thing too where like you could be a bit of a mixed bag. You could be heavy of heart too, but not too heavy. The the scales had to be balanced in order for you to live in. They believe very much in reincarnation too, and no, they had be born thousands, again. And they had thousands of animal um, gods, and uh, in fact, that's the that's the coming out of Yahweh. That's the first time he allowed man to know his name. That's two thousand years after. I'm not well. Yeah, two thousand years after Adam that he allowed man to know his name, Yahweh. And uh, all of those attacks were that Pharaoh was a hardened heart and he wouldn't let the um, the Israelites go. Mm-hmm. Those were all against their gods. Each one of them, those attacks were against their god. The last one, which sent them on their way, was their firstborn. That's the Passover. And that's interesting if you... If you look up the Passover, the Israelites have been celebrating that for a long time. Did they just make that up, that holiday, or did that actually come from somewhere? And the same with Purim, you know, and that's from the book of Esther. You can learn about that. But anyway, getting back to this woman. Yes. Is it Eva? Eva, yes. Eva. I wrestle with this also because I, I love people and I find so many good people out there. Does God take that into consideration? And then after I study more and more about God, I realized that it's just like Abraham asked the same questions about Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, well, if there's 50 good men, would you spare the city? If there's 50 good righteous men, wouldn't you spare the city? And uh, it got down to 10. What if there was 10 guys? He was bargaining with, with the angel. It wasn't God. He was bargaining with the angel. And then he perceived that God's not going to destroy anybody with a righteous heart, you know, whether they're in the throes of Las Vegas. But what are we doing? Are we studying? Are we trying to understand about his son and about what the Bible is teaching us and trying to bring our lives in line with that? Or are we just kind of wanting to run our own lives the way we want to and whatever? You may you may make it, but who knows? But what, It can be hard, you know, like uh, when you... Are when you observe bad behavior in others, and if you can, when when you see that there's no consequences, or or if it appears that there's no consequences, you know that like you know politicians that screw over people and then become millionaires, and you know have all these materials, wealth, and all this stuff, and yeah, I mean it seems like Eva. Solomon Solomon said this: he observed princes on foot and slaves on horseback. No mm-hmm. reason or rhyme to why life is the way it is and how and how it's dealt out. But it's good that she's asked these questions. I would say, I would sec- suggest to her, of course, to buy my book. 
<laughs> to, to grab the best Bible she can and start looking up the scriptures and bring her life in harmony. That's the best way to make sure if you're in the middle of Las Vegas that when the, when the hammer falls that you're going to be counted as part of the righteous one. I, I keep bringing back uh, John 17, 3, uh, Jesus said. John 17, 3 is what I keep quoting for Doug all the time. This means everlasting life. You taking in knowledge of the only true God and the one who you sent forth, Jesus Christ. So that's somehow, I make the analogy, Noah made it through the conclusion of his system of things with the animals. He built an ark, a black box that he made it through. We today have a small, sometimes black book, rectangular, and it's through that book we're going to make it through the conclusion of this system of things by getting in and studying that and bringing our lives in harmony with that. There's a proper way to pray. There's a, there, it's just... Oh, that's interesting. What's the proper way to pray? We, we're going to stick with your questions. You know Okay, what? yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Chap- yeah. yeah chapter, uh... chapter 10 in my book. Let's see. Let me look at the, uh, let me look at that. Chapter 10. Okay, well, while you're doing that... Shall I read the next question? No, I oh, want to. I yeah, want to give my thoughts on it. Yeah, question. absolutely. So yeah, I would just say that you. you Excuse have to, me, I made a mistake. Go ahead. I would. You would have to answer that question in reverse order. So I think she asked at the end, who would she be facing, the God of the Old Testament or the God of the New? That's right. Yes. Uh, and my my thought on that was she better hope that it's the God of the New Testament. And and, <laughs> and I tell you, so let me see if you recognize this quote. Um, James, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Wow. I've, I've heard this before. You know... Uh, and that's from Richard Dawkins. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and his knowledge of the Bible is the same as Christopher's. It came through the English church. And uh, Can I tell you my knowledge of the Bible that came directly out of the Bible? Go ahead. So 2 Kings 2.23-2.24. This is, for me, one of the most reprehensible things that I've seen in the Bible. No, I take it back. In the Old Testament, I won't say the Bible, because the New Testament I'm, I'm a lot more warm on. In, in Kings 2.23, God sent Elisha from Bethel, and a group of kids came out and called him Baldy. And apparently Elisha is a bit of a snowflake because he wasn't happy about being called names. So he turned around, glared at them, and he cursed them under the, in the name of, the God, of God. And God, in order to appease Elisha, he sent 42 bears. That, she two bears. bears. She he sent bears. two bears to maul bear. 42 children to death. Yeah. Um, never mind the, the, the torment that that would have put upon their siblings, their parents, their grandparents, or the kids themselves for being kids and just calling an old man walking through the street baldy. There, there's things in, in Deuteronomy which, no, I'm going to skip that because I, I have well, some no, of the... No, no, we're going to... We're going to get into the horrors that. of the Old Testament. Let me address that. So, let me address that, okay, for a second. That is a uh, one of Joe Rogan's uh, big complaints was that a very those very scriptures, okay? Was it? Because I love Joe Rogan. I've never heard him mention... Uh, oh, yeah. No, he, he had a... 
I think it was with uh, Ben Shapiro that he had. Okay. And he brought it up there, something that's always bothered him. And I wrote him a letter, and I told him, I have your answer, Joe, if you'd like to... <laughs> If you'd like to talk to me. So, so, no, I would like to hear that because I have, a, I have a long list of the horrors of the Old Testament where God is angry, jealous, sadistic, genocidal, infanticidal, uh, philicidal. And it, I would love to hear the justifications for, for God well, acting in that way, which is okay. not the same God as the God of the New Testament. I've got to answer Eva's question yes, please. real quick. But it's chapter 11 in my book, How to Pray and Be Heard. Uh, so in chapter 11, it talks about the proper way to pray, what you need to do, and uh, it all by Scripture, not not by me, just all by Scripture. So, so anyway, that's chapter 11. I, I said it was chapter 10. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so we're so clarifying we're, that. We're you clarifying saying, that. Now you we're going to get to your... All right, good. Uh, good. I okay. thought you were saying that the boys didn't read chapter 11 of your book, which is why they, they didn't pray no. properly. And, okay. No, no, no. That no, was praying to be heard. So... Uh, in your question is the same one that Joe Rogan had about the she bears that came down and killed forty children. Right, Joe Rogan. I got to look that up now. I missed that episode. Yeah, no, it was, I think it was with Ben Shapiro, but I'm not sure. Anyway, let's let's let me go back just a little ways. Yahweh saves the nation of Israel that's enslaved to Egypt, and he brings them out close to 3 million Israelites, brings them out of Egypt. They go to Mount Horeb. He threw, by the way, this is all through angels. God doesn't speak to any man. What you clarified for me. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, people say, oh, no, he spoke to Moses in a burning bush. No. If you read uh, chapter 2, verse 4, I think it is, of Exodus, it tells you it was an angel. Yeah, but there was, um, and we're digressing, there, w- there was There's a There's even more. There I, was I a, didn't give you all the scripture. There, there was a verse in, in Genesis uh, where it said that, I'll, I'll have to dig they, it up. They spoke face that, to face. That God talked, I believe, Abraham face to face and as, as that, a friend. Yeah, that was intimate conversation from the angel to him representing uh, Jehovah God. But not in the verses that I read in the Bible. It was God face to face. There's plenty of scriptures that I can give you that'll show you that they were. Okay, we'll take that. Off, we'll take that offline and, and do that because uh, yeah, that's not uh, what I read. No, I understand, but I can give you more scriptures. I didn't give you all the scriptures that show <laughs> okay. you that he was that the angels gave. Let's get, back, let's get back to Ava. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not Eva. No, Eva. Uh, Eva. Eva. I, I talked to Eva about uh, pray and be heard. That was the right chapter. I hope it's Eva. Uh, sorry, <laughs> if it's not. And. <laughs> You know, uh, we have to. Which one do we want to go with? I want to go with your uh, she bears and give you the answer to that. Do you go, want to, we'll I go, want to hear it. Let's do, do both. Because go I want to hear it. Because that's um, that's straight out of Richard Dawkins. Uh, All right, let's back up, and let's. The Israelites now are at the bottom of Mount Horeb. He's only dealing with Moses. Uh, an angel's only dealing with Moses to give them the law to give him stuff. He says to Moses. At, it's, this is where, uh, this is exactly the opposite of what Christopher said. You know, Gr- Christopher said he's a dictator. Uh, he, a totalitarian. Yeah, he's all this sort of stuff, but yeah. that's not true. He, he had Moses go down and say to them, look, you've been brought out of Egypt. You're free. Do you want Yahweh as your God or do you not want him? It's, it's okay, but this is the time that you need to say. So he's asking them, what, what do you want to do? You're, you're here now, you're safe, you're free out of Egypt, 
what do you want to do? And they all said, we want Yahweh as our God. We want to do what he said to do. We want to, we want to, we want to follow what he says to do. So he makes a covenant with them. Okay, you follow my laws. And remember, he's dealing with these people to bring this promised seed in his timetable. And these people don't do what he asks them to do. They rebel constantly. They worship other gods. They, in fact, right at the bottom of the hill, they're building a golden calf uh, when Moses is up in the mountains. That being said, they're doing nothing correct. And he keeps sending prophets to them. He keeps sending people to them to get them to turn around. They've adopted the gods of the of the nations, Mo, uh, Moloch and Baal and all these people they're sacrificing to. And he keeps sending the prophets to them to say, hey, look, you made a deal with me. You got to be held to your deal. And, and he tells them in, in Deuteronomy 26, the last scripture, he says, if you do all these things, I will raise you up. You'll be above all nations. They will serve you. You won't have to worry about a thing. I'll take care of everything for you. But if you don't, then you're going to bring room on yourselves. He had, to, he had a job to do. He had to bring that, that seed through Abraham's line, through these stubborn people that said they were going to do what he asked them to do, but didn't do what he asked them to do. And in the process, Elijah took the mantle from Elijah. Elijah was his mentor. Uh, he put the coat on and he became the next prophet. Now he was going up to another city and he was passing a city lower on the mountain. He was going up there and these 70 children came out and yelled at him. And what they were yelling at him was not only you bald man, they were saying, die. They were saying like his predecessor, go on up, go on up. Meaning that's what Elijah did. God took Elijah on up in a cloud. And uh, Elijah died and his, his mantle dropped and Elisha put it on and he was heading up. And so these 70 kids came out and they were screaming at him, bald man, die, is what they were saying. And guess who sent those kids out of that city? Guess who sent them out? My, my response to that would be it wouldn't matter. Um, and I, I think... Their parents sent them out there. Sure. Okay, so their parents sent them out. But in, in the verse of the Bible that I read, and I ended up reading the entire section on Elisha, nobody said die. It was go away, body, go away. No, go on up. It was go... In the, I'm telling you, in the verse of the Old Testament that I said go well, away, well, body, go let's away. Let's take... Look up... Uh, well, I, can, well, I can read it in... Well, King James, if you want. Well, we can look it up, but it okay. So, regardless of which were what they said. So anyway, they were they were telling him, basically, bald man die, and he was going up there to try to get them to change from uh, worshiping these other gods, just like they said they wouldn't do, along with the other people that he was heading to, and so the parents sent these children out. So he had enough. Forty kids died, and those parents. At a rude awakening. So to answer Ava's question, you better hope it's the God of the New Testament. No, I, you need a, you need somebody that's righteous. Oh, no, there's, no. there's there's I'm I'm sorry. You and I are going to disagree on this one. There's well, no, nothing it, righteous about a a divine, omnipotent, omniscient being sending two animals to maul forty two kids to death. To me, that's that's philicidal. And he didn't sadistic. do that. Uh, uh, Elijah did it. Well, if Elijah did it, he did it in his name. 
Well, he, he used that power. So, I mean, we'll apply the RICO statute then. So, so. here's the deal. You, you make an oath to do something, and you don't do it, and the consequence of that oath is death, and you die because you don't, you don't do what you say you were going to do. So why didn't God send the bears to kill the parents who sent the children out instead of mauling the children? They're children. They're kids. They're, they're kids. I'm they're going sure, to do whatever the kids say. I'm, what sure parents the, say. I'm sure the parents didn't fare well either. I don't know. So, but why not spare the kids and use the parents as an example instead of mauling 42 children? See, so this is my issue. This is a, for me, this is a verse created out of nothing but a tool of fear no, to put into to, people to, to get them the, to believe no, what you they were under, writing in the script. No, you have to understand the law that was given to them that they said they would obey. If you understand it's the not 613 the, it's not the children. Laws. Okay, did the Lord not say the sins of the father should not be passed down to the, to the children? So, yeah, so the, so the parents broke their covenant. Punish the parents, not the kids. I do have a... Me personally, too, I, I've always wondered this thing of like... Why is it that Jesus is the one that suffers <laughs> all of the punishment? You know, like all these people are doing all this horrible that was stuff. The problem. Yeah, like what, what? What is? What is with this? Like consequences going to the wrong place, right? You know, all these people are like doing all this horrible stuff. They're murdering and they're raping and they're stealing, and then. God's like, all right, we're going to bring this perfect person into the world who's going to be totally awesome and innocent, and he's going to receive all the consequences that you should receive. I, 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 so when I, was I, in, I always my, have like my, a those, hard time with that. Chris, it's an excellent question, and my <laughs> yeah. book explains that. So when I was in the Army, we had what's called Ranger Buddies, and a Ranger Buddy is if you fuck up, your buddy pays the price. Ooh. And if your buddy fucks up, you pay the price. And there's a form of discipline that goes along with that, but it's rudimentary, it's effective, but it's rudimentary, it's fear-based, it's peer-based, and it's, it, it's targeted at driving people to work together to carry out exercises that are committed in life-threatening situations. So you have to have that level of fear and control. Very few people survive ranger school. You know, it's a small percentage. So... It, it, for me, especially if you're doing this as, you know, on just what we would call, you know, a normal civilian, it, it's an, I'm trying to think of the words here, then I'm going to have to delete all this shit. <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 it is a... I'm um, glad we both have the same brains. Well, we do, we do. It, it's, it's, it's placing, it's, it's placing um, expectations, unachievable expectations on people. It, let's it, get back to the basic. Purpose. Let's get back to the questions, baby. Let, Maybe get, we're yeah. right. No, no. His his question is excellent. That that is the crux of the Bible. The Bible is paradise lost to paradise regained. Paradise lost through this perfect man. Adam was made perfect. He chose to disobey God, and he and his wife. The consequences was they brought sin and death into the world. That perfect. That in fact, it's interesting that the first. Four people mentioned in the Bible. There was only one, one good one. The rest, the, the other three were murderers. Mm. <laughs> you know. So uh, Adam was made perfect, but he chose to disobey God. And through that, God had promised him, "Look, if you do this, you're going to die. The day you do this, you're going to die." 
That's exactly what happened. There. No, it's not. It's and that's a that's a that's a that's one of the false prophecies of the Old Testament. Is God says if you eat under this fruit, then you shall die, surely die that day. But they no no they didn't. The later day, on, they in left. the day you eat of that. Yeah, th- yeah that's an excellent. But, but later on, that, they, they that's left an excellent the question. Let me, let me give you an answer. Well, you're talking about like kind of like a time dilation. Like we were over dinner just a minute ago, audience. Um, you, know, you were kind of explaining how a day isn't necessarily one day, but it could be representative they, of a thousand days, years. These people, the evangelists, or whoever they are that believe that the God created the heavens and the earth in one day, and then the next day he did this, and the next day he did that. That sounds day, like a convenient form of justification. A day is a, a, a measure of time. That's what it is. In fact, what gives you the answer is Genesis 2.4. After all the creative days happened, which was way after the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the creative days started way later than that. And in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, this is the events of creation that God created in a day. So it's referring, in the day that he created them, I think that's what the verse says, we could look it up, but it's talking about a measure of time. He, uh, two, 2 4 talks about all those creative days as just a day because it's, a day is a measure of time. It's, so, anyway, let me get back to your question. Or Ava's question. Let's focus on the. the, the, okay. the, the Adam died. If you look, my book also tells you this a day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Adam died within that thousand years. He died. He lived to 930 years old, and he died. He died of old age and whatever it was. So he died within that creative, whatever that day was that he had. So uh, if you look at it that way, if one day, we've only been on this, this quest for six days. So in God's timetable, it's a short period of time, but he, he's given that timetable for the great bamboozler and for man to work out their difference. All right, yeah, but God being omnipotent and omniscient should, and you had mentioned his propensity. What or, now? What? I didn't, omnipotent, I... omniscient. So all-powerful, all-knowing. And you had mentioned before... But he gives you free will. He, he does give us free will, but no, my, my... And this is, I'm talking about in a different context because it relates to how we would understand the Bible today. And that's something that he would be able to know. He created us. He created our brains. He would be able to understand how we would interpret the subjectivity. It, it doesn't say in the Bible that if you, if you partake of this, of this fruit from this tree, you will die in a day, which doesn't equals, say in a day. It says the day you eat of this, the day fruit, you, you eat of the fruit. Die. Okay. So I'm sorry. Yes. But I mean, Ultimately, the conclusion is the same. On the day the day you eateth of the, the, this fruit, um, it doesn't say that equals 937 years to those of you who are reading this 2,000 no, years later. because a lot of guys live longer than that. Uh, Moses lived longer than that. Uh, not Moses, um, uh, co- uh, Noah. Yeah. Noah lived longer than that. Methuselah lived according to, the, according to the Bible. But still, I mean, today, anybody in the world picks up the Bible and reads that. They are not going to understand that. Oh, that he says a day, but that's 937 years. That's a pretty damn good life. So maybe it was 
risk reward. It wasn't that bad of a thing. It just says I, I a think, day. I think living forever uh, and nine hundred and thirty years is not a great deal. Yeah, well, I mean, we all have we all have. He gave us free will. We could take care of if it was that bad. So that's our choice. No, I, Adam I'm, was perfect. Uh, God, uh, Jesus Christ's sacrifice doesn't cover perfection. It covers imperfection. So we are the offsprings. And so uh, here's what happened. Adam was made perfect. He chose to disobey God. So, the penalty for disobeying God was death. So Adam died, and along with, uh, and we, because he had children after he sinned, everybody else was born in sin. And so we all die. You just so, made a mutually exclusive statement, though. Adam was made perfect, but he chose to di to to um, disobey God. If the angel if, was made perfect, also, if, if Adam he chose no, to disobey, then God. they then they were not made perfect. Why? Because they chose to disobey God. If if perfection is obedience to God and in life and in everything, then they would never have disobeyed. So well, the, I'm 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 very very glad that we can come to you, Doug, and get get this organized and get this. Yeah, no, correctly. I mean, but that's it. I, I want you to be able to get your word out. We want to be able to get our word out. That's what the whole what the podcast well, no, no, is I, for. I, I got you, but it, look, it's like okay, so then then basically but, we have a fundamental misunderstanding of perfection. No, no, we we talked about uh, why this guy, why this man, a humble, perfect man, had to die. God had to bring a perfect man to buy back what a perfect man did. It, uh, it's called a ransom sacrifice. No, it's called vicarious redemption, and I agreed with Christopher Hitchens that it's one of the more immoral things of the New Testament. No, it's called uh, ransom. The Bible calls it a ransom. Yeah, it's ransom, but it's vicarious redemption. Well, here's the thing. This was God's, this was God's way of taking what a perfect man brought into the world, another perfect man took it back out of the world. So those are the two things. He made that he made that first prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That's the first prophecy in the Bible. He says he was going to bring a seed that would crush the serpent and uh, so then he doesn't bring up the seed anymore until he gets to Abraham. Then he tells Abraham that he was going to bring the seed through Abraham's line. That's the Israelites, and, and you brought up something interesting, and I really want—I mean, I want to make sure you know, we we cover Eva's question because we're still on question one. Um, <laughs> yeah, is um, you you brought up the you know the serpent, the the tree of knowledge, the tree of life, uh, the Garden of Eden, the first man. I find it interesting that centuries before the Old Testament was written in Gilgamesh, uh, there was a first man, and I think his name was Inkad, and there was a tree of life and there was a deceptive serpent and there was a, a tree of knowledge and yeah so i mean there, there are a lot of similarities in the genesis narrative from gilgamesh which was written centuries before yeah after the flood noah and his three sons they lived on the other side they knew the garden of eden they knew everything that was going on there now they're through the flood on this side, and they have stories about the uh, about the the these men of fame that these fellers, this off breed of the angels, the angels they were far superior in smartness and different things. So they have all these stories. Those stories got around uh, out outside of uh, after the ark. There'd be a little bit of telephone in those stories, though. There'd be. Uh, well, I mean, if you take 
we were talking about the flood earlier. And I meant for the your context, yeah. tele- there'd be a little bit of telephone game in those stories. Well, I, I imagine because they don't they don't identify 100% with what Moses wrote. So, okay, okay. So, did we, did we answer Eva's question? Well, um, you know, it pretty much is... Uh, so Eva, we you know, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wants... She, she definitely wants the God of the Bible and uh, his son to do the judging. Now, what they're going to be looking for is John seventeen three. Okay, I wrote that down, yeah. This I, means I everlasting life. You're taking in knowledge of the true God and the one you sent forth. So that's what my book is about, is to get people starting to study their Bible and get into their Bible and learn some things Fair that, are, that are different. Um, Eva, John seventeen three. John seventeen three, And uh, I, I ran across Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw the wheel. Ezekiel saw the wheel within a wheel. And this is the wheel he said he saw. <laughs> Ezekiel, uh, I think, let me, let me look. <laughs> Hold on a second. You did that thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. And this is the wheel I... Yeah, we don't want that. We're all right, you look, um, you look, and we will be right back. All right, so... I've said so much off the air. No, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> so so I would... Regroup um, and reel me back in. Right, no, I think, uh, Eva, so I would just say, very good question, um, Still some debate. I would, I'm paraphrasing um, James, say if you are one of faith or, and it sounds like you are, get his book and, you know, do your own reading in the Bible and get especially, a, well, I'm, I'm sorry, what was, it was, uh, get, get it was John, correct. John, I got first it. John 4, 8? Yeah, 17, first John 3. 4, yeah, four, yes, first, first John, John 17, 3 and uh, John 4, 8. First John 4, 8 says that God is love. And is then, not. Uh, so that's that's James's advice. My advice is take everything with a healthy level of skepticism, research it, and come to your own conclusions. But do both. But so let me ask you a question, Doug. What are you offering? What are you offering, Ava? I'm not offering her anything. There's nothing you're offering her. Well, what would I offer? Well, I suppose we're offering information. No, it's advice. At the most part, it's advice. And my, it's, it's the same advice that I would give anyone. It was, there is a healthy level of skepticism that we all should have within ourselves to question. And it's one of the things that also drove me against organized religion is because I believe it was St. Augustine who put questioning as a sin to equal lust. And that, for me, shows ulterior motives in... Uh, developing and sustaining the power of a church. Uh, you know, we all need to have a healthy, healthy level of skepticism. I, I, oh, I agree. I tell my children, you know, one of my purposes in life is, is to help my children be happy, confident, and inquisitive so that they can be the best version of themselves possible. And I think they need all three of those. They need, you know, we need, we need to make sure that they're happy. We need to make sure that they're confident in themselves and never stop questioning. So look for the answers. And we've given you a couple sources, Eva, James's book, uh, John, damn it. 17.3? John 17.3 and John 4.8. And first yeah, John, John, four. First John, yeah, 4.8. Four eight. So you know, go out and, you know, ultimately, and for my advice would be to, if you're living in Sin City, I've been to Vegas. And I had a friend on my first trip tell me once, he's like, if you've never been to Vegas, it is everything that's wrong and everything that's right with this country all in one place. So just be on the right side of that. Be a good person. 
you know, treat yourself well, treat your loved ones well, treat your friends well, treat people on the streets well, be a good person. That's, that's what I would offer you. And I would say, um, study your Bible. Find the a, find a correct uh, translation and start reading it. We're going to go back to what's a correct translation. <laughs> so, so. Well, I, 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 I mention in the book that there's somebody that studied that and he he made an offer. He took seventeen of the most. I know. Yeah, we and we talked. Yeah, I mean, you okay. can look up, and that's also it's Jason DeBune. And if I'm I'm going to I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I think his last name is uh, D E B U H N, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. And uh, and the book no, his book is Truth and Translation. Okay, we'll look up the book Truth and Translation, and then decide for yourself because he picked seventeen that leaves thirty three out. Yeah. Question so, two. All right. Yeah, we got another <laughs> question. Uh, I've kind of breezed over it real quick it looks like it's one kind of a little more specific for you and i doug um from timothy in forest city mississippi (laughs) uh chris doug what makes you think you can debate scripture as you say on your website the word of god is not up for debate and christopher hitchens is paying the ultimate price for turning his back on god you should be afraid of facing the same Okay. I remember copying that one over because there were a few that we received that were less pleasant. <laughs> and I and I I just chose to move those to the trash folder and I pulled that one over. Um and I think I copied this over because it was directed directly at us. And I remembered I wanted to ask it was something that I wanted to ask you, James, was I think one of the things we touched on or that I read in your book, which I liked, and I, and there were some of the underlying words or passages or highlighted passages that you you had seen that that you saw when you were thumbing through it were around the concept of uh, Gehenna and Sheol, and we all and and I, hell I, exactly. Yeah. And I think you are and I are aligned on that. So f- my belief is that hell and some of the especially in the new trans in the New Testament and some of the and I won't even say the New Testament. I want to take the Bible out of this, and I don't want to put any blame on the Bible in this. I want to put the blame on organized religion. So I think hell was. Uh, Gehenna misapplied by organized religion and the churches in order to construct hell as a tool for power and control for their church. Um, Making money post post uh, Jesus. So in the uh, you know in the in the after Christian era, that, that's, it, it, it's that's that's my belief. So um, no, do I think? Christopher Hitchens is paying the ultimate price. If you think the ultimate price per the Old Testament is him passing away and him residing in Sheol, if I'm correct, and maybe having to face God when he comes down and not kingdom in heaven, but kingdom on earth, uh, then, then, then yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as being in a pit of fire where his skin burns away every day only to regrow overnight yeah, so he can suffer again, uh, what, what was his name? Um, the question asked, yeah. Timothy. So Timothy, I, I sincerely appreciate you writing to us and taking the time to do it. Um, I think your hypothesis is bullshit just to be perfectly candid. So, you know, in this case, I would never, it sounds like you are very devout, which if you have a personal relationship with God, good for you. I would never want to damage anybody's personal relationship with God, but I think you need to go back and, and read your scripture again. If he buys my book in chapter four, it talks about hell. It talks about torture. It talks about all this nonsense that the uh, the churches have used to to make money off of. Mm. And uh, the, the scripture says the wages that sin pays 
the wages that sin pays is death. That's all it is. Right. It's death. It's not a. It's not a place of torture. There is no hellfire. This is all brought up by religion to make money. They sold indulgences, and it's just a. It, it just. It, that is a myth that you yeah. and I will agree on. Yeah, that just that that God. God's not doesn't have the time to be torturing anybody. It just it wouldn't even come up in his mind. In fact, there's a scripture on that that talks about it. it didn't even come up in his mind to do things like this. It's just this is all man-made. And this gentleman, Christopher, died, and that's that's the wages he, that he paid. He as we all do. The Bible says that there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous back to earth. That's what it says, Paradise Earth. And my book goes into that detail. A lot of people don't even realize that uh, we're going to be living here under God's arrangement, under his government on this earth. And we, when it says righteous and unrighteous, that gives me an opportunity because I told you a long time ago, you could find me in Romans 7, 18 through mm. 25. I'm there with Apostle Paul where... You, what we try to do, we don't want to do. Our hearts want to do the wrong things. We're just sinful people. But through Christ Jesus, we can ask for forgiveness, and we can keep studying, and we can try to be a better person every day, try to be a better man every single day if we can. So I, th I think you would go back and read the Old Testament, Tim Timothy, again. Sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Timothy. Yeah. And you know, you know, one of the things that I think you need to understand is that the the original Bible was in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine, Koine Greek. Uh, Christian Greek. I yeah, think. Christian Greek, Koine Greek, Common Greek. And that the term Gehenna uh, was mentioned and was translated and then utilized by several churches, especially the Catholic Church at the time, because that was the only church until the 16th century uh, in Christianity. And that was translated into hell. But, but Gehenna itself is actually a physical place that's still identifiable in, in Israel, and it was a valley. And it was where the poor and the diseased and, and many people lived. They kept fires burning. They kept fires burning continuously. And it's also where the pagan kings or the pagan rulers, uh, kings, um, there was the kings, um, prior to uh, the Israelites taking the land and they would commit child sacrifices. So that, that was the secular historical soundbite on what Gehenna was. The church took full advantage of that. Now, that's entirely up to you to, to decide whether or not you want to believe that. But I would just, I think Peter, or um, I think James and I are fully aligned on this, is go back and reread your scripture. And um, if you have any doubt on the translations, uh, look it up yourself. My book on chapter four. Read his book. Goes into yeah. scriptural detail that will will prove that incorrect. Okay. So I mean, good. That was an easy one. You and I, we, we were all, we were all, uh, we were all aligned yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I agnostic really... and devout, and we're working together. I love it. Score. Nice. Another me. Yeah. Um, uh, There's so many I, things <laughs> like like hell. Hellfire and those teachings in Christendom that don't belong there. Goddamn Dante. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, a great, yeah. it's a great piece of fiction, though. Yeah. So, okay, question do we, Question three. Yeah, let's go. Let's move on. All right. Um, so this one is from Michael Rochester. Oh, it's from it's Michael from Rochester, Minnesota. Oh, I thought you were going to say Rochester, New York. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hi, Christopher Hitchens often asked why God would wait 100,000 plus years before making his presence known. And why did he do so in an insignificant and superstitious part of the Middle East? I'd like to hear your thoughts on those points. I'd also like to hear Mr. James' thoughts on how Christianity could defend some of the horrible, horrible parts of the Old Testament. He's watched some debates. Um, yeah, so... Or read I, know, I know exactly the, the, yeah, why would, the very why, things he's asking about. Why would God wait 100,000 years? Well, Christopher before? uses 100,000 years in his talks. Okay. Um, Dawkins says it's 250,000 years that man's been on the uh, planet. Yes, that's correct. And one of the things, you asked me one time, one of the things, was there any of the people that in the debates that you liked... Uh, some of their answers, and one of the answers I liked was, uh, you're going to have to say his name, Dinesh... Dinesh D'Souza. D'Souza, yeah. he, uh, Christopher was going on about God stood there with folded hands for uh, 90... 99,900 years, 500 years, yes. Watching everybody die. And he always folded his arms when yeah. he made that comment. Yeah, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then all of a sudden, in a unheard of uh, part of... A hope-deprived, superstitious, yeah, yeah, supernatural, uh, believing yeah. he, Middle East. He brings somebody to die or whatever. He, he decides that he's going to... you know. So he that's how he paraphrased all of that. And Dinesh said something really interesting. He goes, you know, uh, Dawkins, you say 100,000, Dawkins says 250,000. Isn't it strange how man is on the planet for 250,000 years as we know him today, and he's taxing around in an airplane, and he never takes off. He just keeps taxing. He doesn't do anything. And then 6,000 years ago, he lifts off, and all this stuff starts happening. Cities, roads, uh, metal, uh, everything that we know starts happening all within 6,000 years. The rest of the time, the plane for 200 and uh, 44,000 years is just taxing around the one way. And you know, I, I like that analogy because man is inquisitive. You know, right from our birth, we want to stick the fork into the, hmm. the socket to see what goes on in there. We want everything that in this room, you know what it tastes like because when you were a baby, you put your mouth on it and you, you had to investigate. And he's saying, no. We did nothing for 244,000 years, and all of a sudden, boom, we started building cities. We started building roads. We started building uh, systems, and it just it's too amazing to me that I think that's a, a great analogy to, to sit there and tell me we do nothing for all that time period. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I remember I listened to that debate with um, D'Souza and Hitchens, and I was, I was walking solo. I was walking my dog when, when I was listening to it, and I, I think I had the same thought that anybody who had any kind of technology background would have thought. It is like every invention leads to a new invention in a more expedient period of time. It's exponential. We've done more in the past 50 years than we did in the previous 2,000 years. And, and a lot of that is just because of technological advancements. Everything that we do or should do improves our chances of making the next leap forward that much faster. And for the first 100,000 years, 
I agree with Christopher Hitchens. It's like the average, uh, you know, most of the fossilized remains that we found, the, you know, the life expectancy was around 25 years uh, on average. If we if we look at the age of the growth, bo- the bones and the growth and the platelets, um, you know, we can tell that people probably lived between 23 and 27 years. Most of it was, you know, death by horrible dental issues or um, exposure to the elements uh, or killing each other because we see hammer blows to the head and um the bible's but, the ac- actually the antithesis of all that it's the opposite we were actually perfect and people lived a lot longer before the flood because they were closer to perfection we're the backwash today and I, we I, live 70 or 80 I, I, years. and i don't even want to get into that because yeah, we will end up talking back and forth for three hours but you know they're, they're there are no historical remains of anybody that's lived more than a hundred years old, let alone nine hundred thirty-seven years. So we can we can There's debate a woman that, or... that. Recently died in nineteen ninety. Uh, and she lived 120 years. Well, yeah, but there's also there was a guy in uh, India that lived to 132. That's fine, but that's that's still 800 years off 937 years. So well, no, um, the Bible talks about the, the diminishing after the flood. Yeah, or okay, I don't want to get because yeah, we're going to go back and forth on that for for ages. Um, but the the question specifically was y- y- these people their entire life was focused on basic survival techniques and it wasn't until around 7,000 no around 9,000 years ago when we started seeing the first technological technological advancements yeah you you mentioned something and I'm going to bring this up and I don't want to I don't want to digress too much but it was like you know the people in the bible were, were you know they were giving instructions on how to manage hygiene years thousands of years before the germ, microscope before germ therapy theory in the microscope I, I mean that doesn't impress me nine thousand years ago in the indus valley um they had the first signs of dentistry and 4500 years ago they had the first signs of uh sewage systems and flushing toilets that's cause and effect that means there's a civilization that's trying to form and they see that people defecate and urinate near where they live and sleep, and they die at a higher rate than people who don't defecate and urinate where they sleep. So cause and effect, they, you know, our brains haven't evolved much in 10,000 years. Yeah, it's like, well, let's don't do that. I, I, you know, but once those technological advancements started to be made, they improved our chances of making the next technological advancement that much faster. Until, and I think you and I will agree on this, until around, until Rome fell. And then after the fourth century, 410, 415 BC or AD, ACE, when Rome fell, and we plummeted into what's commonly called the Dark Ages, and the primary source of power became organized religion in the West, then we had about a thousand years of not as fast of an advancement as as we would have uh, prior to that. So, so for me, that doesn't answer why God, you know, why a God would wait. What what it mean? Ninety. Let's just say ninety nine thousand years. Yeah. Before popping up in the Middle East. Well, well he didn't. In fact, right after. Uh, maybe I'm not talking close enough to. I think we can. I think we can yeah. hear you. We can always okay. amplify later. All right. Well, it, it, right in in chapter three of Genesis, verse fifteen is the first prophecy, and God makes a way out for mankind, the offspring of Adam, uh, because why should they be held? To fault because of what he did so he makes a way out 
in chapter uh, 3, verse 15, that he's going to bring a seed that will crush the serpent and that and put all that to end. And then we follow that seed through the Bible, through this obnoxious uh, group of people that don't do what they say they're going to do. He does get the stuff done that he needs to get done to bring his son to buy back that ransom, to buy back that from a perfect man through a perfect man. Right. And now through that death, we have the opportunity to be in his living, going to his new system. Uh, Christopher, because there's a, a, a scripture that says that both the righteous and the unrighteous will be back in the resurrection, there's an opportunity that Christopher will come back in the resurrection. But what about the prior 99,000 years? Why did he wait? Why, why didn't he appear? Because there, there are signs. We, we've found fossilized remains that are around 100,000 years old that show dyes and, um, and ceremonial type devices that show that there was likely some form of religious ceremony over the dead uh, as early back as 100,000 years ago. Why, why, why would he wait? I, I don't believe that data. I don't believe the 100,000 years. I believe that uh, that uh, the first man was Adam. I don't believe that the creative days are 24-hour days, that they were a long period of time. And I don't think the Bible disagrees with science in that area. I'm just saying that everything that we know of happened in the last 6,000 years. You go back 99,000 years that you say man's been on the planet, and yet they didn't do anything back then. Well, I would probably lean more towards Dawkins, 250,000 years, but... And quarter I would, of a million years. Well, and, and I would lean... That's a lot and, of zeros. And I would lean... Well, yeah, it's five. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's relative. It depends upon your... Yeah. Well, I mean, so. if the flood wiped everything out, you know, I mean, right? What? What if man was doing stuff, and then... Flood happens, and back to the Stone Age. That's very good thing, Chris, because I was uh, talking to somebody about the flood uh, in Noah's day, the eight people that left, and he goes, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about that. He was going, well, no, if you take every generation back, it, it starts falling off rapidly uh, at 4,000 years, not 6,000 years. And I said, yes, it's, that's correct. Because there was a flood and everybody died. There's only eight people that made it through the flood, and everybody backs back down to them uh, going forward. Not six thousand years ago, back to Adam. Those people died at the flood. So I think okay. So I think we're going to skip um, because I think we hit a non-starter at the six thousand years. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a, so. It's I mean that's that's definitely that's, one of those things we. We agree to disagree. <laughs> we're we're going to have to. And yeah, we're not going to make any headway there. So I think, All right. did we answer his question? Well, um... Michael, that's a question in itself. Who is like God? Hmm. That's what the meaning of the name. Yeah. Hmm, cool. I wonder if Michael knew that. All right, let's go to the next question. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, Michael, I hope that helps. Okay, so KW, uh, K-Dub from Tallahassee, Florida asks, or states, um, we'll see, more than 95% of the DRC is Christian, and 75% of their population don't have access to fresh drinking water. If Shizikadi, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that so badly. So just to, just to yeah. clarify, 
and uh, sorry, I'm using Google. So yeah, yeah. This, is, this isn't me and my infinite wisdom. Um, so yeah, DRC is the definite, um, blah, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay, so I'm going to start over here. Okay. All right. More than 95% of the Democratic Republic of Congo is Christian, and 75% of their population don't have access to fresh drinking water. If Shizekedi... Apparently, that's the president of the DRC. Okay. If Shizekedi came out of the jungle one day and said that God had spoken to him and that he and his people would inherit the lands of Uganda and Tanzania, and to do that, they must kill every man, woman, and child, except for the virgin women, who they could keep for themselves. Should Christians around the world celebrate him carrying out God's command, or should they be skeptical and condemn him, wondering if Lake Victoria had anything to do with his vision? Hmm. All right. So um, I, yeah, I'm I was, a little lost on that, I was, guys. So, might... so I was googling. Um, the DRC is. Uh, uh, I know the Congo, um, but yeah, it's broken up into the Republic of Congo and the DRC. And I know that because I'm looking at a Google map. Um, Uganda and Tanzania border it. Do you want to see the map? No, I I'm, I understand his question. Okay. In fact, he's kind of mirroring a thing that happened early in the. Hebrew Aramaic, uh, under the 613 laws, the Israelites had to wipe out everybody. When they went into the Promised Land, they had to wipe out different nations. So uh, his final question at the last last two sentences was, so he made the comment about um, the, the DRC wiping out Tanzania, Uganda, killing all the men and women, and, and taking the, the virgin women. What was after that? And then after that... Um should Christians around the world celebrate him for carrying out God's command, or should they be skeptical and condemn him, uh, wondering if Lake Victoria had anything to do with his vision? Okay, I get it now. I, I get it. So, What's going on in Lake so, Victoria? So, well, Lake Victoria is one of the, I think it's one of the largest freshwater lakes, and I think it's the, the origin or the source of the Nile. Um, oh, okay. So if you have a country where 75% of your people... What did he say? 75%? Yeah, 75% of people don't have access to fresh drinking okay, water. I, okay, I get it. So he's saying, and I think he's referencing what James was talking about is, you know, can he follow the laws of the Old Testament? What if he came out and said, I spoke to an angel of God, or I spoke to God, or I spoke to, you know, a, a prophet of God who said, uh, these are your lands, kill the men, women, and children, except for the virgins that you can keep for yourself. This is like you were starting to go into the Canaanites, the Amalekites, the Midianites, the... Exactly, and the the difference is that we are now now under uh, Christ's laws today. We're no longer subject to any of the 613 laws except for two, and that would be love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two laws that all 613 hang hung on. All the rest are done away with. We're under a new law of Jesus, which is not, you know, he, he told uh, when Peter tried to draw, draw a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, cut off the soldier's ear, uh, Jesus healed the ear and told him, this is not our, this is not what we do anymore. We don't, we don't do this. So, all right. So this leads me to a question because I think we're under Jesus's laws now. I think, you're, and and forgive me if I get this wrong, um, but I think you're touching upon uh, secessionism, 
which is the theological, uh, the theological um, philosophy that the New Testament secedes the Old Testament. Is that is that right? No, you you need all sixty six books. Uh, I don't I don't call them the Old and New Testament. That I believe okay, the, so the Bible is Boozler is behind that. What I say is that those are important because remember those are the the only part of the Bible Jesus had. And if you look at Romans uh, chapter fifteen verse four, it said all those things written aforetime is for our understanding and learning. Uh, they're good for us to know. So the whole Bible is what we need to be studying. But if God, again, I'm going to go back and use omnipotent omni- omniscient again. If if God was the perfect divinity, omnipotent omniscient, wh- why would his laws need to be changed? Okay. Again, the Bible's written, uh, Adam was perfect. He lost perfection. It's paradise lost through one man, paradise regained again for, through a perfect man. All of those things leading up to this promised seed, he dealt with this one group of people that said they were going to obey him but didn't. He kept bringing them back. They, anyway, he got finally got it done. He got his son here, and his son had to come through the line of David. He had uh, all of those things are done for you. You just have to study it and see. But the the reason for that is because that's. We're, that's the stepping stone to back to his government and perfection. He had also le- allow this period of time for this angelic creature and and uh, man to work out whether they could govern themselves. Those were the questions raised, not God's power. Yeah, but if he's the creator, why would there be any question as to whether we would govern ourselves? It seems know, like it he seems would either. To be, uh, I mean, with me, I, I, uh, it seems to me that God should just wiped them all out and. And let's move on. But then you and I wouldn't be here. Well, no. But then it would. He be... was kind enough to allow to work with. Uh, well, then I would the be offspring saying... of Adam, so that you, uh, Christopher, wouldn't be here if he would have wiped him out back then. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but to me, it comes across as God being incompetent. He's hardly incompetent. Well, I mean, obviously, he created creatures that are born flawed and make flawed decisions. No, and he created he a perfect. He pre- created a, a. No, we're going to go back to that because if if we if he was perfect, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. No, that's then, that, then he's not perfect. Who's not perfect? Adam. Adam was perfect. He chose to disobey God. Then he wasn't perfect if he chose to disobey God. Why? What's free will? You you have you have uh, you you have the ability to all right. Then his decision to look at a hundred dollars on the coffee table then is his, that your hundred dollars? No, his decision. But if you sit there and dwell on it, man, I could use that hundred bucks. I'm a little light today. I'm going to take that. But I'm born perfect. So if I decided to take that hundred dollars, it would have been a perfectly rational decision. No. Oh, so perfection is arbitrary. No, you were tested and you failed the test. Why would you and need to te- test? Why would you need to test a perfect creature? I started off telling you that everything man builds, he tests everything. Oh, that he, may have been a conversation we had outside. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. in that. But that, that, that's my point: is if if you create something, he that created is, man perfect, but he had to write the well, test. Him do on. we need to change the word perfect? Because perfect is perfect. There, there, there are no flaws to perfection. And if Adam did something that went against his creator, that is a flaw. It, that is a, that's not a theological debate. It is a 
rational, logical debate. You, you, you're either perfect or you're flawed. I think it's James 1, 13 and 14 that says we are drawn out by our own desires. I th- yeah. And if we have a desire, d- d- if we have a desire, we can either dismiss it and move on, or we can choose to dwell on it. And if we dwell on it long enough, maybe we'll act on it. And if you're perfect, then whichever one you choose is, will be the right decision. Well, not in this case it wasn't. Then he wasn't perfect. God gave... <laughs> We're going to agree to disagree no, Well, again. okay, but not, <laughs> think about this. All the trees that were in that, in that garden, he could eat to his full. Sure. He, he just couldn't touch this one tree. Then he wouldn't have done it if he was perfect. He didn't do it for a long time. It doesn't matter on time. I mean, unless, unless he's a construct that, that, that you know starts what Adam to said? fail later. Adam said... Blamed it on his wife. Uh, it was the wife you gave me well, that then, gave me that fruit. Then we know he's not perfect because no perfect man would ever blame anything on his wife. That was after he lost perfection. That was after his perfection. Well, after his lost I got All a little right. bit so, of a curveball before okay, we go to the next throw, question. Okay, you throw your curveball. You know, so, is there another beer over there, or yes, do sir. I need to go fetch? Yeah, here. Um, All right. Is, we haven't broken out the Anejo yet. Do you think it's possible that God is a supercomputer? No. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irrational Discourse Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at debate at irrationaldiscourse.com, or you can contact us directly through our website at www.irrationaldiscourse.com. Please include your name and location if you'd like a shout out for your contribution. We only ask for and strive to give in return a little love, acceptance, and mutual respect.